0: Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news and the home of the Beta-Rank College Football statistical, mo- statistical Model. This is Brian Conger. We're a Sharp College Football Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We're back. It's been a while. It's been a It's been a hot minute, but we broke through the bowls. We decided to look back at the teams in the Pac-12 as we go into the offseason. I want to talk about what they were, right? You can't improve anymore. You don't have any more games to play. You know Where did every Pac-12 team land? Um, what were they? and then maybe kind of take a little bit of a peek and project into the future on some of the teams that we're working through. We'll get to that in a bit. Um, I'm joined by Rob Aaron and, and Rob, we are coming off the national title game, which was just inappropriate and disgusting. And uh, I thought kind of like, this is to start on a sad note, but I thought it was depressing. <laughs> like, it, like if you're a TCU or any team that like, you know, has good coaching, tries hard, has a couple good players. I just thought the national title game showed you that you cannot win the national championship. And to me, that's okay. Like I, I actually appreciate college football for what it is, but it, I, I was, I was really bummed out because it does highlight how different of a sport. I think some teams are playing than others and yet we're all in the same league together and that's weird. I don't know. What, what did you think about Georgia's just complete destruction of TCU, um, and what that means for college football, and what, what do you think it means for the Pac-12? Because I don't think any of our teams are even close to what we saw at Georgia.
1: Yeah, I mean that's largely. I mean, like it is a, um, it is a very, very, like, and it's been this way for a little bit, right? Like, yeah where the teams at the very top of the sport have created separation between themselves and, you know, the rest of the teams. Um, And it's, it can feel very conference oriented. Right. But like, really, like it's just, it's not, it's not that like the entirety of the SEC, I mean, now the SEC, some of the schools are better, right. Like and and top to bottom, but like the top of the, like the middle of the big 10 isn't a lot better than where a lot of the pack you know 12 is uh most years the trouble is is you get into like you know like if you, if you bump into the very very top schools right like you are going to be in trouble right and um tcu definitely had some luck against michigan you know that helped um
0: <laughs> yeah they did
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i mean to, to be able to escape with a win there Um, but Michigan would have also gotten, you know, probably beaten by, you know, like 20 or so by Georgia. I mean, this was the Georgia team that showed up and just absolutely shut down Tennessee, you know, um, you know, this, this year. And I, I I think truthfully, like, I, I mean, I think that this, this is one of the, this Georgia team sort of under the radar. I think this season turned out to be one of the better college football teams we've had, um, you know, these past couple seasons. And I, you know, I, I, I think, you know, like there was, and maybe we didn't necessarily get a chance to like really get a grasp on it. Um, until, you know, like, until they really took it to D.C.U. <laughs> you know, because they didn't really have anyone this year that way. I mean, other than like Tennessee like really Tennessee that was really within spinning distance of this Georgia team. And they put the clamps down. And I thought I thought Georgia largely shut it down in the second half against, you know, Tennessee. Um you know, like they weren't they, they didn't come out. I mean, this Georgia team finished as like the number five overall team and like a decade's worth of beta rank data like you know number one is still that lsu team from 2019 number two is actually last year's georgia squad this year's georgia squad was a little bit better but i mean just a, i mean a really really good georgia team they were number one on offensive beta rank number one on defense and beta rank and number two on special teams <laughs> so, <laughs> oh my god like this is just not an, I mean, this, like you talked about, like, this year in particular, like, there just wasn't anybody, like, I mean, even if we did, you know, Tennessee finished at number two overall on beta rank, um, you know, Georgia's considerably better than Tennessee, (laughs) you know? So I would just, like, I would, like, for a lot of, like, to your point, right, like, realizing how far you are off, right, like, and even if you're, like, USC and you're off to the, um you know, like the big, you know, the big 10, um, you know, like I think the gap between where USC is right now and where Georgia is, is enormous. Um, you know, and like if you're Oregon and, and have, you know, aspirations of getting there, like it's a long build. Like you're talking for, for Oregon to potentially get to where Georgia currently is. You're looking at, you know, like, like, four years probably i mean i know people are going to be like eh, no, that for." like i think it's probably like from today like a considerable four-year build because i'm also i think if you look across like i think one of the things with the pack you know the teams in the pack 12 is i'm not sure they've got the right people a coordinator and the right culture in place yet right not just recruiting but like i'm just i'm not sure like top to bottom like if i looked at every team in the pack 12 that they all have the right personnel in place coaching and then I, I i definitely would agree that they don't have the right personnel in place you to, know, on the rosters yet
0: yeah and to put things like put things into context looking at georgia and just how they rated in the model this year compared to the closest pac 12 team which is utah so you you mentioned usc and i think usc had the highest profile by the way usc lost to tulane just you know just yeah. throw that out there um I, yeah, I know they didn't show but like they still lost um you know y- utah And by the way, BetaRank, you know, weighted the playoff games a lot, uh, like normally. And then I think you put a cap on how you were weighting any of the bowl games, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, it was just, you get too much wackiness in bowl games these days. So they still count. They just count for 20% of what the playoff games do.
0: Yeah. So like Utah was the highest rated team in the Pac-12 at the end of the year after the Bulls. And they were top 10. Can you just talk through like the gap between Georgia and, and so like if, if you're on sharp football dot com like Baderink has, you know, the, the rating for Georgia was three point six three. The rating for Utah is one point seven seven. What does that mean? Because that is a, it. That's means a 20, big gap. It means 20 points. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs>
1: like that's what if Georgia and Utah met on a neutral field, Georgia would be favored by basically three touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, and like, listen, like this, you know, this, this, you know, they, Georgia opened as a 14 point favorite over TCU, um, you know, and, uh, they, I think if they played again, it would be over 20, you know, like more like 24, 25, um, Utah's, I mean, they've got a significant gap right between where they sit, like on offense, on defense, on special teams like utah has a has a, like this year's utah team has a lot of work to do. i mean that's where and like i mean i i i don't think i mean and, and i say this because like i mean if you remember like a couple of years ago washington was like under chris peterson was doing like the okg recruiting right yeah um and they sort of consistently fell short of like Bud Elliott's blue chip ratio, you know, being one of those top teams, that kind of thing having enough blue chips on the roster. Um, I don't know that like, I mean, like coaching can't get you the whole way. Like even really good coaching cannot get you the whole way there. Like Georgia, like teams like Georgia are not, um, and we've talked about this before teams like Georgia. There's not like a, there's not like, they're not like, just rolling the ball. They're not like recruiting four and five stars and then just like rolling the football out. Like they develop players. They have excellent coaches and staffs, right? Yeah. Like, you're not going to get there just by coaching and you're not going to get there just by recruiting. Like you have to do both. Um, and I think that's where like, when you look across like, yeah, like Utah, I think coaching wise, you could maybe talk me into like Utah, you know, I, I think Utah could be better than we saw it this season, um, but I think coaching, like I think coaching wise, I, I don't think Utah is ever going to be in the same conversation as Georgia or like Bama. I mean, B- Nick Saban responded to like his two-year like and missing the playoff with signing like one of his best classes ever. <laughs> you know,
0: like, yeah. <laughs> hey, that's a high, that's a high bar too for him.
1: I know. <laughs> I mean, you responded about like doubling down um, on recruiting. Um, you know, like, I mean, I just like, I'm not sure. I mean, like Ohio state is gonna, like, I think with Jim Knowles is going to get their defense sort of, you know, figured out. Although the offense did take a little bit of a step back this season. Um, and if you're USC, like, you know, you haven't just a, or like Oregon finished as like the next highest pac 12 team in beta rank. Um, they've got major problems on the defensive side of the ball and a new offensive coordinator. So, I mean, it's like, um, you know, like for Oregon to get that. So I said, like, I think it's like a multi, like, I mean, Oregon or Washington are probably your best bets within the PAC 12. Like, and I don't mean this is like to denigrate Utah. Like I think Utah could make the playoff, Um, But I think Utah's probably going to need, like, even the very best Utah teams under Whittingham are probably going to need, like, to catch some turnover, like, a la TCU to take down or win a a semifinal game. Um, Washington and Oregon are a bit of a different animal. I think that they are going to recruit in a different level, you know, than than Utah is. And if they got the coaching staff aligned, I think that, you know, you could talk about them.
0: Well, I was going to say, we'll see about Washington because... You know, DeBoer didn't bring over like all-star stud recruiters from, No, he didn't. you know, especially on the defensive side. He brought his people with him. which, which, you know, <laughs> their defense is a mess, but it was his first year. I think the offense is going to be great, but I, I think overall, like I just have mentally set expectations for college football and, and which is fine. And I do think that ESPN pushes the playoffs so much. And at this point, like, I right. think, I think my expectations are whoever wins the the conference is that is super great. Like that, that is, that is where I put my focus on. And if you make the final four, awesome. And, right. you know, and I'm going to watch the playoff, but I wouldn't watch the playoff anyway. And it just right. seems like there's so much more of a focus and, and people warned about this earlier and I knew it, but like going into it now where it's just like these, these teams are in a different league and maybe right. there's a team or two that kind of gets there every once in a while. But I'm just not going to expect the Pac-12 to win a national title, <laughs> and I and I'm just going to you know be excited about what's happening in conference, all the bizarre quirks and personalities and dumb stuff that happens because that's what's endearing about college football. And then like if a team wins the playoff game of the Pac-12, that I think that is the pinnacle in my mind where where the conference is going to be at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean the Pac-12 is going to be. a Significant, I mean, this is like sounds like all doom and gloom, but I mean, like, they're going to be a significant financial disadvantage going forward. Um, I just think, yeah, like it's going to be very hard. Um, it's going to be like even with like say Oregon, where you do have one particular booster who comes to mind who is proud, who is going to try to make up the financial shortfalls as as much as he can, you know, like the the gaps are going to be quite large. Um, and I just think it's going to be difficult for the Pac-12 to really compete. I mean, and like, really within the time horizon that we're talking about, like, USC is not going to compete for a national title before leaving the Pac-12.
0: No, 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 no. Like, like they, they're, yeah. They're yeah.
1: way too far off, right? Like, um, in particular on the defensive side of the ball. But, I mean, truthfully, like, I mean, it's funny. Like, so Florida State made a huge jump this season. Like, they really improved. Um. Clemson took a step back, but, like, you look at those teams, like, I'm not sure the ACC is, is going to be competing for national titles. I'm, like, like the big tw- – like, TCU got in there and, like, punched way above their weight this season. Like, I'm not sure the, the Big 12 is – I mean, like, it's pretty much – like, I mean, the teams that will be competing for national titles, like, there's a few more of them in the SEC. Like, you could absolutely – take Florida and turn them into an Alabama, right? Like we've seen that before, right? Like maybe Josh Heupel, like, I mean, people, I've lived in Tennessee, like people underestimate that it's, it's tougher to recruit in like Tennessee's a bit like Alabama and it doesn't have like a huge, like in-state recruiting base, but like the, the commitment of people within Tennessee, Tennessee football is off the charts. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, like, you've got, you got, of course, your Georgia's, your Alabama's, your LSU's, you know, and then you're going to have Texas and AM in there and Oklahoma, but then it's going to be what? Like, Ohio State, Michigan, USC, and, like, I would put Penn State, like, a half step behind the rest, right? Like, that's where you're at. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to... Like that's those are the teams that, for the most part, are going to be competing. Like that, you that you could talk yourself into like that program could do it, like make the leap for a national title. I have a hard time right now seeing Clemson consistently competing for a national title in the next couple seasons, right? And like maybe Mike Norvell gets Florida State. Like Florida State's a program that you could foreseeably maybe do it, but it'd be tough.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's not like it's not all bad. I. I... I prefer the dumbness of college football to, you know, oh, is is USC going to make the, you know, the, is, are they going to win a championship with the same five teams every year? Like, I think that's actually boring. I mean, it's it's fun to watch football played at the highest level but right. it feels like you're watching a pro game and I can do that somewhere else with even better play. You know, <laughs> like I, I yeah. want, I want the dumb special teams and I appreciate like the, Oh, that was wh- like, why did you, why did you let the cl- clock run down? Like what's going on? I mean, that, that stuff yeah. is more endearing. I think when it comes to college football and and I'm excited, but, like it, it will still be, it's a different sport and there are different expectations, but I just wanted to flush that out there because hot yeah. damn TCU just got destroyed. And like, it, it really was a red flag. I think for anybody that <laughs> had aspirations for, for their yeah. their tiny team to really make it like you're in the NCAA tournament. Like that but this is not the tournament. Like this is this is a whole different ball of wax. And, and that's fine. Well, like
1: the worst thing that could happen to TCU happened, which was like Ohio State played Georgia close. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, and I'm sure Kirby had like their full attention. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> uh, surely, like, Ohio State, like they should be like, I mean, it's not as if like I mean, Ohio State played really well. I don't want to take anything away from them, but like Georgia should have won by ten points, right? Like on like you know they show up and play their game. That's that's where the score should probably finish out.
0: Yeah, that game was awesome, by the way. I mean, like you know, yeah. I'm I'm kind of I t- mean, both the semifinals were great. Like that's yeah. like
1: everybody's like everybody that turned around the season. Like I thought it was really dumb because everybody's like Every- you want the playoff to expand, like. Um, which is a battle that's already been—it's been over for a long time. It yes. was over before this year. Like watching people not understand that was painful. Um, but like the semifinals, which have often been the blowouts, were really good this year. We got two really good games, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and yes, we got an absolute utter blowout in the final. But like, I—I I look at it and I'm like, I—I I, what it, like, and I'll say this like having now incorporated like the FCS playoff games into like the FCS modeling for beta. Right. Like I welcome it in a way because like the bowl games are so bad. Right. Like as far as like the quality of play and everything goes like, yeah, I mean, I will. Will I watch the bowl games? Yes, I will. right? But like, they're not, they're not in any way like indicative of even like, it, like much of this happened with that team this season almost anymore. Both with like players opting out, like the amount of coaching turnover we now have that's that's moved forward because of signing day and the transfer portal. Um, you know, like getting bull like getting more games that actually freaking matter again is, is a good thing, yeah. for college football. Right. So, like, yeah. like we do not like I do not need like people are like, What will happen to your Rose Bowl? And I'm like, Well, it'll be fine, right? Like, and I do truly appreciate the tradition of the Rose Bowl, but it's also true that, like, you know, like the Rose Bowl this year was like, yes, they, we did get the Pac-12 champion in Utah, but, like, Penn State's the third best team in the Big Ten, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not as if it's, like, as traditional as it was, you know? I just I, I just think with the, like, um you know like you have like you had arguably the two blessed players on each team opt out you know of the game um you know i'm i'm interested in more games that are like that you know the co- teams are bringing in their coaching staff intact they are bringing in their rosters intact for the playoff games i'm i'm interested in that
0: i'll totally trade what we have now for an expanded playoff with some interesting bowl games like as somebody that runs a bull pool every year, like I watched probably a quarter of the games this year. I just like it, it was a mixture of a being busy and family and travel and all that stuff, but b it was also just ugh, like nobody's playing in this game or oh the coach isn't coaching in this game and like it it's fun, but it's it's like not even close to what it was you know six seven yeah. ten years ago. And like there are probably people that are listening to the show that are like nodding their heads you know with enthusiasm, and there are also people that just started watching well, college football
1: outraged, right? Like there are people that are genuinely outraged at the playoff. And like, I, I mean, I get it, but like, honestly, like the opt outs for bowls were going to happen eventually anyway, because yeah. they're meaningless exhibition games. And as players figured out that like, they are truly meaningless exhibition games and that like their NFL future is directly ahead of them. Like this was inevitable. The playoff didn't cause that. Right. Um, but that dilution, you know, the like and the, coaching staffs like turnover and things like that again not caused by the playoff this is caused by like players now more clearly seeing their financial incentives in front of them which again is a good thing like i don't want to see somebody with an nfl future injured in like the freaking independence bowl in Freeport. like that is stupid (laughs) it's <laughs> fundamentally stupid for that to happen to that person, right? Like, it, you, So, like, everybody, everybody, like, you could, like, I don't, or, like, I mean, the quarterback, I mean, like, listen, like, the quarterback for Old Miss last season that got, like, horribly injured in that bowl game, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, everybody's, like, applauding him, and I'm like, man, like, I mean, that sucks, right? Like, I don't need to see that, you know? I don't, like, I want, you know, like, you these players are not being paid enough for what they are doing still
0: I would so. almost I would almost prefer and this would be terrible for TV so this is more just as a college football fanatic I would almost prefer the twos for each team just play, so we can get a feel for oh, yeah. like what's coming next year. I think that would be super fun. But I would, I mean, I also understand the marketing behind that. Like, how many people are going to tune in to watch like Tulane's twos play USC's twos? Like, that's pretty crappy. Well,
1: I mean, and, and an option for the future with NIL might be that the Bulls are able to like compensate players to actually show up and play, which would be a great. You yeah. know, like or I mean, when I say the Bulls, it'll be ESPN, which owns the majority of the Bulls.
0: Yeah. <laughs> But even like, the, even then, though, don't you think it's like I, I forget it's like the pikemen of, in in the Middle Ages. They would send the pikemen to go out, and they'd be like, "Oh," and they would like all pretend to hit each other with the pikes, and then the war would actually start. Like I, I feel as if you if you paid players to play in a bowl game, they'll play, but I don't right. know if they're gonna I mean, play I, hard. I I'll
1: take the appearance. It's the it's the Pro Bowl, right? Like I'm here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and that's totally fair. I don't blame anyone for like like I said like realizing where your bread is going to be buttered and that you have the potential of like signing. Like if you got injured, it could cost you an enormous amount of money. Yeah. Um, and you would, I mean, and and people can say like, Oh yeah, like you can get insurance, blah, blah, blah. I mean like to be clear, you do not think like, Oh yeah, like I could just get in a horrific car accident. I've got
0: insurance. No problem.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's just a bizarre system and it, you know, like I I'm excited. I'm excited for the evolution of the game. Like I'm curious to see if other conferences really shift more towards the regional, you know, rivalries and kind of go back to that rather than focus on the playoff because like frankly, I don't watch ESPN like anymore at all. And it's not it's not like I had a boycott. I just I just don't find what they're doing interesting. I, I think there are better, there's better content for college football. It's some of the PAC 12 podcasts, it's the cover three podcasts. Yeah. And like, I just think that there's better ways of covering it rather than playoff, 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 playoff. And well, so, I mean, cause yeah.
1: they're, they're catering to, I mean, like if you're watching ESPN, like they're catering to the mass audience, right. And like yeah. the mass audience is connecting into like what's going on before. I mean, I'm talking about like politics, right. It's a horse race, right. Like that's an easy thing to cover.
0: Yeah. Right. Oh yeah.
1: Like, and so, like, yeah, absolutely. Like, that's what's going to get coverage, you know, because like, they're the median fan that is tuning in, you know, is is just like it might be dro- like might be somebody like dropping in to college football doesn't read a lot, but just wants to watch, you know, is, is not following online, just wants to watch some football. I mean, I get like people complain about that. I'm like, I get it, but like, who's watching? I mean, when I go to the- if I go to the gym. And they have ESPN on. I'm like, I'm like, who's watching this? Not because, and it's not any different on like FS1 or like that. Like those talking head shows are just pointless, right? Like they're just arguing for the sake of arguing. Yeah. Um, it's like crossfire, but for for sports. It's like, <laughs> I want no part of it, right? Like I don't care. I don't care what Skip Bayless thinks about college football. I don't care what Skip Bayless thinks about anything. Right? Yeah. Like he's possibly the stupidest person on the planet (laughs) and that's saying something, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like, so like on all of that stuff, right? Like, and you know, if you're listening to us, you're probably like in the deep cut committed to college football or the pac 12, like, That's where, like, I think the interesting stories are. But I only try to get people interested in, like, even beyond. And, like, I wish more fans would get interested in, like, beyond the wins and losses, like, what happened with the teams, right? Like, those are the really interesting things. Because, like, sometimes, like, something will happen that, like, gets obscured by the win-loss record, right? Yeah. Um, You know, and, like, those are, like, I mean, Texas this year was, like, good, like, 85% of the time. And then the other 15% of the time, they did something profoundly stupid that often cost them a the game. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, but the fact that like they did that, that like Texas took a big step forward this year under the radar, right? And that's interesting for next year. And like everybody is gonna spend all offseason anytime like someone potentially brings up, brings up Texas being improved. And I think a lot of it depends on quarterback, because I don't think Ewers is the guy. But Like, Texas is a team that, like, because they've taken this step forward, particularly on defense, they took a huge step forward this season. Kwiatkowski and um, what they were doing with Gary Patterson, like, as an advisor, I think really helped. They did a really good job this season on defense. Offensively, they have some room still to improve. But, like, Texas is all of a sudden a team that, like, you could be talking about as, like, oh, they're a really interesting dark horse coming into next year, potentially.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what happens with them and just some of the the mistakes and some of the teams yeah. that emerge out of the mistakes. But uh, Rob, speaking of mistakes, let's talk about Arizona football, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and let's do it right after this. All right, we're back. And and look, I can't. I can't. We're we're talking. I know. I mean, Johnny Manson is still the defensive coordinator. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Uh, Which is which is holy Moses. So, um, we're gonna start a series where we're gonna just look back at each Pac-12 team and really get a feel for what they were like, what their strengths were, what their weaknesses were. Um, You know, obviously, as we were looking at the transfer portal, Rob, like it's gonna take a hot minute to really figure out who matters, who doesn't. How yeah. they impact teams, and in some instances, you're gonna have teams like USC. But like, here's a good example: it was like USC's defense sucked last year, and it sucked this year, uh, be- even with all the transfers that they came- they brought in. So I just I'm curious to see how much these transfers matter. And certainly, there's positions that will matter. Can you get an edge rusher that can really blow past people? Yeah. Can you get? Or you if, c- you a, if you need
1: if you need a two gap defensive tackle, right? But like those yeah. guys, I also feel like those guys aren't hitting the portal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Those guys are getting paid uh, for sure. And, you know, obviously quarterback matters if you can get a wide receiver sometimes. So we'll keep an eye out for that. But I do think like in the essence, a lot of these teams are what they are. And, and they will change and evolve over time. Like everything does. But anyway, just taking a look back and looking at the stats and looking at where these teams ended up finishing. Let's start with uh, the Arizona Wildcats. So they ended up five and seven on the year, but like you were, you mentioned Rob, you know, taking a look under the hood outside of that win loss column, I think is really important. So they make the the move at quarterback. They're able to bring in Jaden Delora. Um, what, what was this like, you know, as we take a look back from an advanced statistics perspective, what was Arizona? What were they good at? What did they suck at? What, like, you know, when, and then when we look forward, what are the, some of the things that we think they could either build on or they're going to regress at?
1: It's like the big thing is it with this Arizona team this season is they took a big step forward on, on, on offense. And they took a big step forward on special teams. Right. So like last season this Arizona squad, they were at 95 on, like, so this team managed to finish this year um, at number 65 overall in beta rank, which is a big improvement over 92, yeah. <laughs> which is where they were last year. Right. Um, and it, it was mostly driven by significant improvement on the offensive side of the football. So they went from um, sitting at number 95 overall in offense to number 32 uh, 32 is a middle of the road Power Five offense, but like for like Arizona getting out of like the very you know one of the worst Power Five offenses in college football um, and making that improvement is is, is really big. Um, and then they the, the tough thing for them is they actually regressed on defense, um, so they got worse. That off, that offset some of the improvement. Um, so they were at 88 last year on defense. Um, they fell back to 113. Um, and that hurts. But they again, like, and here's that, like they went from one fourteen on special teams all the way up to 45. Um, which again, like, that's a really significant improvement. Um, and what they did really well this season, like if you're running through the team, is like they did a really good job creating big plays. Yeah. Like they, they stunk a bit at drive efficiency. They were 109 on offensive drive efficiency, but they were number 10 on explosive drives. Um And I thought they did a really, like, that's, I mean, Fish did a really good job finding ways to put together, like, really big plays out there. Um, And they avoided three and outs and turnovers. Like, I mean, in a lot, like, I mean, now when they did turn the ball over, it often came in bunches. But they were 19 in negative drives. Um, And they were a real pass-heavy unit, number 14 in effective pass versus 82 in effective rush.
0: So I think on the offensive side, so here's a question, right? So they're one Oh nine in drive efficiency. And then, but they're 17 in play efficiency. So what is that? Right. Cause if you take a look at Arizona's offense, like if you're, and we're looking at sharp where you can see all this stuff. So if you take a look at the left side, it's all offense and it's like 32, yeah. 10, 17, 19, 14. And then you see this one Oh nine. So what what is that, what does that mean?
1: So it means that like Arizona, when they're putting up points, it's almost all coming from big plays. Um, Right, and so like there's like offensive drive efficiency is your ability to put together, you know, put together drives to put up points, and and those drives are not dependent on big plays, right? So like your ability to like, I mean, think of like Army football. You know who's really good at drive efficiency and often stinks at the explosive drives? Like the numbers are often flipped for like service academies. Yeah. Why? Service academies are like five yards and a cloud of dust, man. Like they're, <laughs> and they will drive down the field without putting up a bunch of big plays. Like, so when Arizona's putting up points, you can explain almost all of Arizona's points with big plays, right? Um, and explosive drives and drive efficiency are the two biggest components of your offensive beta rank score. Because these are not all equal, right? Like, now play efficiency they there at 17, that's outside of explosives, their ability to like put up a solid yards per play. It's the least important of the, what I call the core four beta rank metrics of drive efficiency, explosive drives, play efficiency and negative drives. Um, and then negative drives, like negative drives is like, don't shoot yourself in the foot. Don't produce three and outs. Don't go backwards. Don't turn the ball over. And everything did was significantly improved here um, over where they where they were last year. I think what's interesting is like, how pass heavy they were?
0: Yes, that was that was gonna say that. Well, like, <laughs> right? Because like, yeah.
1: it's, if you watched Arizona at times, like, I thought they ran the football pretty effectively. But here's the thing: is like, Baderank offensive effective rush and effective pass are not calculated at the margin. Cause I think you end up with weird results when you do that for offenses, you'll end up with like Navy has the most like efficient passing attack. You know, like that doesn't tell you anything, right? Like Navy throws the ball once in a blue moon, right? Like, and it's been set up by the run game. So if you wanted to stop Arizona, like you need to stop the passing attack, right? Like the run game was there and it wasn't bad, but they didn't rely on it a lot. um, Relatively speaking.
0: I was, you know, like, let's set Jane Dolores aside because that is a whole, that that is its own (laughs) subject. Roller coaster? (laughs) Yeah. And if you just take, like, let's so remove the quarterback, take a look at the play calling and, and the the players that we had on the team. Right. So really good wide receivers. Jacob Cowing ended up being the truth, like coming over from UTEP. Uh, McMillan was really solid. Dorian Singer was awesome. Now he's transferring over to USC, but I think when you take a look at some of the other wide receivers they have on the team, like that, that I think that the passing offense is interesting and it was even more so with Singer. It would surprise me. And I don't know if this is the offensive line or, or I would assume it is. Uh, rather than the talent at running back was, you know, I remember Hithliday came on the show uh, or I came on uh, their show. I forget which. But we were talking about Michael Wiley, and I thought he was fine, but I don't right. think he was like. An, and if you take a look at his numbers, right, six point eight per carry, really solid, eight touchdowns, only seven hundred and seventy yards, but it's right. not. It's not like Arizona if you take a look at their numbers at beta rank, it almost looks like it's an air raid offense, but it's not like they ran the ball three hundred and fifty two times and threw it about 450. So that split isn't that, but the efficiency was so bad at the running game. Like, what was that? Like, cause cause this was not a good running team.
1: So I think part of it is like, again, like the, when, when Arizona was putting up yards, it's they're putting them up through the air, right? Like for the most part. And so if you look at Wiley, like Wiley, he just, he didn't get, like and, and so the other thing to remember is like there's a lot of dolores scrambles in there
0: <laughs> no that's true yeah right <laughs> yeah
1: so um like i for the effective rush that's like true. i make sure and remove sacks yeah. and count them towards passing um but like so what like for arizona's like like Wiley did well when he ran the football, but he was off, like they were often set up by like, it's almost the inverse of maybe like Arizona's run game often thrived because people were like, Oh my God, they're going to throw the football. Um, but it wasn't an error. Like we often talked about like Arizona, like in, in the air raid, like you have a quick pass game. Like it often felt like Arizona did not have a quick passing game no. <laughs> and it was a lot of deep shots. Like Arizona, and I, like I mean, it's it is an adventure because I actually don't think Delora is super accurate deep. <laughs> <And> <laughs> it makes it an adventure, right? Like it felt like like and I think truthfully, as much as I uh, do not always enjoy the Jade and Delora roller coaster ride, like the offensive line looked like they improved partly because like Delora scrambled around like crazy. Right. Like, I think some of this is on fish and the offensive design. I think Arizona should have had more of a, like, I think fish was just like, well, Delora, like the offensive line will be a bit better. And they were, um, not a lot, but a bit, um, and Delora can scramble around and we should just take a bunch of deep shots and see if we can get away with it. Um, I am not, a head coach for probably for many reasons. I would have done something different, which is also incorporated a quick passing game to try to get your receivers, the ball more easily. And also to take advantage, like to, to try to counteract your offensive, some of your offensive line issues, but they didn't do that. Um, so it was like they often, if you watched Arizona this season, it often felt like Dolores just like scrambled around until somebody gets open. That seemed to be by design. <laughs>
0: It was, I don't know if anybody's watched or read Catch 22, but it, this is the Yosarian, like the way that he flies that airplane uh, of Pac 12 yeah. offenses, where it's just up and down and anywhere. Like, just don't get shot by the bomb. And, you know, when you take a look at Delora, because I think he's coming back. Um, yes, yeah. You know, th- like th- this is where, if you just read the stats, right? And I got caught on this one with, uh, I think it was Connor Brewer, the the, the guy at uh, Utah, right? You take a look at the stats, you go, oh, okay. Um, because 3,600 yards, 62, you know, 0.5% completion rate, you know, he's throwing 25 touchdowns and 13 interceptions, but it doesn't tell the full story. Like if you take a look at the way that game, those games are played, like, was he a significant upgrade from what Arizona had? Well, yeah, but what Arizona Absolutely, had was yeah. a disaster, you know, two years ago. So yeah. And I think like, you know, I don't know if he improves. I didn't really see that much improvement between what he did at Washington state and what he did at Arizona. These last, this last year, I think, I think this offense, I mean, he certainly had
1: better receivers at Arizona.
0: Yes, that is true. That is true. Um, which is weird because right. You know, you, when you think of, uh, Leach's offense, but like a lot of those wide receivers, you know, made their way through the, the program by the time, you know, he was done there. Um, I I just I think this offense is gonna pretty much be the same next year, right? Like I don't think the offensive yeah. line is gonna be that much improved. I think you have the same running backs basically, right? DJ Williams is still there. You have Rayshon Luke. I think Wiley Wiley's comes back. back,
1: and Wiley was really good in catching the foot. I mean, he had thirty six catches.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I mean, like that's like
1: on Wiley, like with Wiley, like they did. I mean, Wiley was dangerous out of the backfield. Um I think, I mean, look, I mean, like, yes, like with Dorian Singer, who, I mean, I think arguably was their most dangerous wide receiver. I mean, Powing had more catches, but like Singer matched, like outdid him on yards on like 30, like around 20 fewer catches, 19 fewer catches. Yeah. Um, You know, like, and McMillan was a factor, and I think we'll continue to, you know, like another year at a college weight room and, you know, um, with some college coaching, I think is going to help him significantly. But yeah, like, I mean, this is largely going to be the same. I mean, look, if you took, I mean, look, as much as they like, if you took any other passer and maybe put them behind Arizona's offensive line and tried to have them do what Jaden DeLora was doing, like, they're, they're going to get sacked a million times.
0: <laughs> like, it's
1: going to be really bad. But, like for I mean and, and truly Delora feels like a stopgap until they can get the offensive line really fixed maybe maybe um, yeah and, and the recruiting's been decent right Morgan's coming back like I mean I I actually have to say like I thought the offensive line did take a bit of a step forward this season and I I was I was I was somewhat impressed by that because like they were a disaster the year before but I mean like we also talk about too like. It, like people, because you don't see what's going on with the receivers, like, the year before, the offensive line often looked terrible because Arizona's wide receivers were awful and never got open,
0: <laughs> right?
1: Yeah. Like, that, like, so that can kill you, too, as a line. Like, I, I think they got, the some of it is they got a lot of help, and some of it is I think they did improve. I mean, and Jordan Morgan, I think, played really well over the majority of the season. Um, so, I mean, I think that they, are like, I think that they, like, Delora works fine as a stopgap. I mean, and the question is is like, I mean, they got that, the, the four star QB that they signed out of Colorado. That they really like, um, and it's either going to be him or Fafita. And I think it's probably, the, you know, the four star kid out of Colorado as they wait behind Delora. But like Delora, he, like he was only a sophomore this year, technically. Like, I don't know that Delora is like going to be a starter in a senior year at Arizona.
0: Yeah. I think he might get pushed out, but I think next yeah. year, I mean, you're going to it's going to be the same offense it's going to be top 35 oh, yeah. they're going to throw it the rushing game will be you know like not that great but like i, I guess the, the only question for me is like i i wasn't as impressed with their offensive line i i just th- i think that what you saw this year is probably the cap and that's like a c and that's worrisome to me like i just after after seeing like Mahalchek and a couple other offensive like Joe Gilbert at Arizona, like I've seen, yeah, I've seen coaches that have made lemons that are lemonade out of lemons, and like this coach does not. And congratulations, you got Pete well, Carroll. I mean, I do <laughs> think.
1: I mean, like, I mean, truthfully, like the right tackle, like, was god awful. <laughs> right, like, couldn't handle speed rush any of the years that he was at Arizona. I think some of the guys were pretty young along the line. I mean, they did start true freshmen in there. Um, I think they have a shot to improve, right? Like I, I I was encouraged by what I saw from the line. Um, Like we talked about this coming into like last year. And then this year is like, they don't have the depth. They don't have the bodies. Right. Like, I don't think it's necessarily like, I don't know that it's fair to judge him yet. I'll say that. Like, I think that there's still, I think that there's still like, something to to be seen there now you flip it on the defense like i think it's fair to
0: judge (laughs) (laughs) yeah let's go through those numbers because there's a lot of there's a lot of three numbered numbers here three digits yeah i mean this is one of the worst
1: power five. like i mean it's you really need colorado (laughs) whose defense (laughs) finished at 125 in beta rank um you know, like to really leaven out how bad I mean, like to to like provide a floor that Arizona didn't manage to get under on the defensive side of football. And I mean truthfully, like I'm I'm amazed there's still some Arizona fans out there that believe that Nansen just needs to get his guys. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) right um but they took such a big step back defensively um you know falling down to 113 drive efficiency at 111 i mean you could put together long drives to put up points they were 112 on explosive drives you could put up big plays play efficiency at 108 they struggled there the one number that like and this is a really bad number for a power five unit but comparatively 87 and negative drives forcing three and outs and turn like Like midway through the season, Johnny Nansen figured out that blitzing was legal. (laughs) All of a sudden, like they started blitzing a lot more. Um, But you just tell, I mean, you just tell, like, like, I I don't know what Fish is thinking here. Like, I think, I think Fish ends up putting a cap on the rebuild as long as Nansen is your defensive play caller there. Um, they finished at 115 in effective brush. I mean, Arizona really struggled to stop the run this season. And it always amazed me when the teams would like not figure that out. But they also weren't that great against the pass, number 93 in effective pass. And they lose, yeah. arguably, their three most important, like three of their most important players, um, I guess, Four, if you tell, yeah, three of the most important defensive players, like, at either rushing the passer or, or coverage, um, and in particular, like, Christian Roman Wallace, um, you know, in time, Bars going out to USC, Paris Shand, I mean, maybe Paris Shand, I mean, I'd be surprised. He might be one of those guys that, like, is transferring to LSU but didn't land a scholarship. Yeah. Um, you know, but, like, Bars and Christian Roman Wallace are more than likely to have gotten scholarships to USC um i'm just that really hurts to to see them you know move off like that for for this arizona team and like i know people are going to be like oh we landed justin Flo and like you know like this georgia defensive line with them n- honestly never played <laughs> and, you know the guys like some guys that like once upon a time when they were recruited were four stars or five stars like I'm just. I really struggle to see it on this defensive side of the football, and and we've talked about this a little bit on the um, on the podcast. Like, I'm I'm of the inclination, and I'm going to have to see how this like get a little more data in, you know, and see like. But right now, on the face of it, it certainly looks as if like it's easier to rebuild through the portal on offense than it is on
0: defense. Well, the other player that was really important. And I know he got injured. He had some injury problems at the end of the season, but it was Hunter Eccles. Like he was, yeah. he was really good for Arizona. And right. if you want to look on the sunny side, you know, Hunter Eccles didn't see, I mean, he saw the field. I don't want to be unfair, but he was always in the background of that USC defense. And, and I know that cause like we, co- I mean, we've been covering this conference forever and we do the, we do the rosters every year and I'm like, Oh yeah, Hunter Eccles. So he, yeah, yeah. he's, he gets put on the edge for Arizona. He's immediately a force and and now you get you know like I know Justin Flo was not somebody that I know that there was a lot of hype when he came in right five star player was that but he did not look like a five star player at Oregon there he no. he was fine like but he's certainly I mean when you think of five star players you think of people that are immediate impact they're out in two years and that's not him he's just that he's not that player Um, is it possible well, that
1: two that I mean like did he transfer to Arizona?
0: Yeah. 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 yeah, that's,
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah like, that's a good point. I mean, that sounds harsh, but, like, if Justin Flo was this, like, massive, like, I mean, was, like, this this huge, massive talent, you know, like, there's no way Arizona went out, like, and outbid, you know, like, a bunch of schools that desperately wanted Justin Flo. <laughs> you know? I yeah. Don't
0: buy it. And, and you can, like, again more rosy picture right there have been a number of players that have come to arizona on defense that you know like yeah the new mexico state kid the the, the, the oh yeah Roy Lions. Lopez was awesome yeah like, but but you uh, saw him play right we haven't seen right. this we haven't seen this georgia player um on the field basically and yeah he
1: wasn't even on the 2d like i mean like oh. honestly like he was not even on the 2d His the only time he really saw playing time was on special teams
0: So on paper, if you're looking at this defense, right, you lose your best uh, cornerback, you lose your your best pass rushers, you lose your best guy up in the middle. And like, I mean, in Arizona was 113. Like, yeah, I just don't see a scenario where they get past. I mean, I think they regress like but but let's say they take a step forward. They don't have the bodies, personnel recruiting transfer guys in to get past 90 and like, and the play calling
1: is awful. Yes. Like, But, I mean, like, nobody had – I mean, look, you're going to – regardless of what anyone thinks about, like, Don Brown's last year at Michigan where it clearly did not work out, Don Brown still knows how to call a defense. And I think we saw that last year where Arizona's defense was, like, much better than the personnel, <laughs> you know.
0: <laughs>
1: and they took a big step back this season, you know, under Nansen, with largely – I mean, this is the part where people are like, Oh, like he just doesn't have a personnel. I'm like, Don these were Don Don Brown coached pretty much the same defense. right? <laughs> yeah, like,
0: yeah.
1: like pretty much the same dudes, right? It's not like Don Brown had like a bunch of like ace defenders that like Johnny Manson didn't, right? Yeah. Um I just I look at this and it's just like, it's it is inexplicable to me that fit like I mean we talked about this when he made the move. It was like, what? Um, and now to still be continuing to sit on it, even coming into this year, like it just feels, it's inex- like, I just feel like it's inexcusable to be like Arizona's players deserve better. Like you, you as a boss have to do better for the people that were like essentially report into you to like put them in a position to succeed. <laughs> I,
0: I thought, I thought possibly he did it. Well, no, I know he did it for recruiting, right? Cause Nancy, yeah, was, I mean, it was all about recruiting, but you know? And like, and it worked on the offensive side, but Nansen isn't on the offensive side and the UCLA players that he brought in, I don't think, I can't recall them seeing the field. Right. Like, right. Didn't he, didn't he bring in like a, a linebacker and a tackle like a guy in the, the, on the defensive line. And I don't yeah. remember them having any impact at all. And so I, allegedly
1: and- he re, he's uh, allegedly, he is like the guy that reached out to Delora in the, you know, and, and helped land
0: him I mean, I'm
1: not saying, like, Nansen can't recruit, but, like, it's not as if Arizona, like, signed some gangbusters class because Johnny Nansen.
0: <laughs> you know? I mean, like,
1: that's, like, I guess is like, my point is, like, sure, fine. <laughs> He's a better recruiter than Don Brown.
0: Sure. Yeah. 100%. But, right? wasn't, Fafita, but like, wasn't Fafita and uh, McMillan, weren't they part? No, that's UCLA. Yeah. No, no, he's
1: pot, like, he like, like, those guys were coming in and he was like, those guys were signed prior to Nansen coming over, really, I think. Yeah. I mean, those guys were like, Nansen didn't. So it's the, um like, what I like, I, 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 I the conversation you have to have is like, how good does the recruiting have to be to offset the play calling and schematic failures? Yeah. And like, my answer would be like, Nancy, like, her needs to be signing like top 20 classes. Yeah you know, maybe top 15 classes to offset this kind of fall off. Um, And he didn't, he's, he's not that good. So I don't, I don't know what fish is doing. Like Arizona, Arizona with Don Brown back calling plays probably takes a step forward this season defensively instead of back. And Arizona maybe goes to a bowl. Yeah. Because it's just such a, like, it's such a dumb (laughs) <laughs> like, i mean the fact I was like full like i mean every conference has this like it's just such a weird it was such a weird dumb move like so out of left field i mean this conference like has some weird ones you know <laughs> like all around but this is what it just feels like it just feels because like maybe i mean you could talk me into arizona maybe taking a step forward Offensively next year, but not. I'm not saying like much. Like let's say Arizona, which finished at 32, finishes like as a fringy top 25 offense, right? Like yeah. Let's say the special teams, which took a, an enormous step forward for the first time in like seven years. Like Arizona had decent special teams for the first time since like like Rich Rod's like third year.
0: Yeah, like Nick Foles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. So,
1: like, like let's say special teams like maybe improves a bit too. Like, I don't think the like I think Arizona could like maybe and people like people are gonna want to go to a bowl next year. Like Arizona got to the five wins this season, you know. Like they're they're like they're gonna try to sell like you know that maybe this is the year Arizona gets through and gets to a bowl game. Like I think the defense is is gonna be bad enough that like they might miss a bowl.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's it, right? Like, so Arizona next year, they're going to have probably a top 25 offense. They're going to be able to throw the ball. They'll run the ball fairly efficiently, but it's not going to be like a a huge, you know, you're not going to lose the game because of the running game. I mean, put it that way. And then the defense is going to be awful, 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 awful. Every single aspect, (laughs) like pass, pass rush, you know, pass defense, uh, rush defense. Like it's, it's all going to be bad. And, uh, anyway, I mean, I think that's what the team is. And if they're able to jump up higher on the offensive side, maybe they win six games, maybe they win seven games, but I just don't, I don't believe it. Cause I don't think the defense is going to be there. And, um, now, I they're think- going to need
1: some turnover. I mean, to get to a bowl game next year, they probably need turnover luck. Yeah. Now the schedule lightens up a little bit as I recall, <laughs> but like, <laughs> um, it's going to be a tough slog, right? Like, I mean, now I think Arizona, like, I think we're at the coming into the year where like the PAC 12 swaps it up. So I think Arizona gets Stanford back on the schedule, which is a good, thing. <laughs> I mean, like I'm assuming Stanford's going to have a little bit of a rebuild. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's going to help. Right. Like they're, you know, like they, they, they played both Oregon and Washington. Like, I don't think they played them both next season. Um, they don't have North Dakota freaking state on the schedule. They get Northern Arizona next season. You know, like, I mean, now they did beat North Dakota State, but it was a near thing. Um, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like, I'm not saying like they're going to be far off, but like, I think if like you were coming into the season, like, Arizona's probably right around like four or five wins again. Um, and I think you would need the defense to improve for them or like, you know, really get a sense of like, I don't know if they're non-conferences. I know they're, they're not playing North Dakota state.
0: They got UTEP uh, and uh, they're at Mississippi state. I don't know the third team though.
1: Oh okay, yeah. That'll be Northern Arizona. Oh, they, ro- they rotate with uh, ASU playing MAU.
0: I mean, they, they could get there. It just, if the defense is that bad, It's going to be a slog to get there like it would rather than, hey, we really have like, you know, going and if you're an Arizona, oh, we really have a chance to get to a bowl like this. I think this coming year is, oh, man, if everything goes right, we might make, you know, the Gideon underwear bowl or like, you know, I think that's probably where they're at. (laughs) I mean, they do have one staff. Like,
1: I mean, I guess what's interesting is like, I mean, Dwayne Walker is not coming back. They do have one current staff opening. He cooks their defensive backs. I mean, like, I guess what's interesting to think about is, like, I mean, if you're Jed Fish, and, I mean, and I thought they should have made a move to put somebody else in charge of play calling in the middle of the season. I thought it was that bad. Um, you know, like, who do you, do you know, do you have somebody on staff that you could turn to, like, because I think it's bad enough that Fish had better have like an audible ready to go right like if this isn't i mean um if this isn't working where do you go right um then they yeah like i I just i don't think you can like I, i i don't think i don't think if if this can if this continues again until like game three or four next season like they can't keep letting manson call plays
0: yeah yeah. And I think that, I think they will pull the trigger next year if it's, uh, and hopefully in, in the middle of the season. So uh, let's, let's leave it there. So that's Arizona um, next week. We will tackle another team. We'll go through uh, what they were, what they can be in the coming uh, season, but we want to do a team that was kind of baked in already, you know, not like they're, they're the transfer portal will continue churning, but um, a lot of that DNA is already written <laughs> into this team as they move into 2023. Um, Rob, anything else to plug before we get out here? No, I mean like we're in a little bit of the hiatus. Like
1: I don't do, I'm not gonna. There's no preview videos to do. Like we have to wait for like the finalized signing classes and then Bill Connolly to roll out his, um, you know, returning production number. And those usually come in February. Um, so it's just gonna be a little bit quiet.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: like, which isn't bad. Like, I
0: got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's like almost like enjoy the vacation, but uh, except we're working. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: I still have the day job. Yeah.
0: All right, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we will catch you next week and uh, we'll keep an eye on this transfer portal. Take care.